Well, Paul, I reckon about 30 years ago you would have been pretty close, would you? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I was still uh, hobbling around uh, playing for university at a very advanced age, and around that time a really talented group of young cricketers were playing for the Gold Coast Dolphins. Matthew Mott was one of them, and uh, I must admit, as we uh, played games against each other, if someone had said to me, I'm going to coach England to a World Cup victory in cricket, I would have said, really? <laughs> you would have been right, though. I would have been right, and not only that, he has done it, and all we can say is congratulations. Well done, sir, and welcome. Matthew Mott. Thanks, Doggy. Cheers, mate. They were great days back then, weren't they? They were great days, but you yeah, it was, mate. It was, um, yeah, it was something we'd built to, I think, for a while. We had a pretty tough summer at home. Uh, we had you know, very good opposition in South Africa, and um, yeah, they, they certainly belted us, and so did India. And yeah, we did a bit of soul searching after that. We sort of, Joss and I sat down, and I think Mo and Ali played a key role as well. But the, the next thing we looked at was the Pakistan tour and getting some, you know, some new blood and in, in there, and making sure that we were ready to go and have a real tough series over there. And that, really tough leading into the World Cup and I thought it set us up uh, incredibly well and yeah we scraped through there in the end it was, it was a great night. Matthew when you first got with the team were you uh, mindful about you know obviously you were an Aussie they were used to Trevor Bayless from a few seasons ago uh, were you mindful you didn't want to change too much up or you were bringing your plan in that worked so well with the Aussie women so did you have to find like an even ground there? Yeah it was a fine balance I think you know obviously I was employed for you know, what I've done a little bit with the women's team and, and the journey that we went on. But um, definitely there was some, some good things already in place. I, I'd spoken a lot to Trevor Bayless. I'd also um, got the opportunity to, to go on that first trip with Owen Morgan, who was probably the real captain in the way that they approached the, the white ball over the last six or seven years. And um, he was an integral part of, of in, you know, instilling that confidence in the playing group. So... But one of the things I did learn quite early is that the group didn't like as much structure probably as, as the women's team did. So, you know, I remember putting out a training sheet one day as I would for the Australian women's team. About two people looked at it and I thought, well, OK, I'm going to have to uh, adapt a little bit here and, and get around it. And, you know, we just found a way. And it's like like in any new sort of setup, the captain relationship takes time to build. And um, we're in a really good spot now. Joss and I have got a lot of trust in each other and, I think one of the best things that he does now is some of the other guys around him to, to help make the decisions, and he collaborates a lot. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Motti, we were talking uh, earlier in the show and uh, we were saying you were coming on uh, that the last time we spoke to you was sort of only nine months ago now that we think about it and you were in New Zealand doing the uh, one-day team, obviously, which ended in success. Um, what happened between then and your appointment? I mean, were you approached? Was it an application process? How did it all transpire? Yeah, there was a few sliding doors moments. I, I just remember sitting in that uh, dressing room after very satisfied with what we'd achieved, but feeling of maybe that this is the right time. We sort of you know, seven years is, is, is quite a long time for one voice, and um, I, I, I always wanted to go before I was pushed. And I thought uh, the lure of the Commonwealth Games was there. I think that that was something that that was probably the one regret where I was like, well, I could have my cake and eat it. But um, the Australian men's role came up uh, around that time. I applied for it probably knowing that Andrew McDonald would get it, but I thought it would be a, a good experience to go through. Mm. Um, missed out, obviously, and as it turned out, the same um, external company that ran that process was running the English process. So I knew that. Uh, I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring there and um, 
once it got down to it, it was quite clear that the that Brendan McCullum was going to do the red ball uh, and the white ball was open. So, yeah, it excited me right from the start. I uh, went through a lot of interviews, went through four rounds of interviews, and then, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get the job. So, yeah, it was an interesting way it all transitioned. We were just talking earlier, Matthew, about the, the changes to the England team. You know, is it pretty much the same as what you had there for the T20 World Cup? And I'd forgotten momentarily that Ben Stokes doesn't play 50-over cricket anymore, so he won't be here for these three ODIs, but Sashal in the final. What's he like to work with? Yeah, he, he's you know he's just a clutch player, isn't he? I think he came into the tournament on not a lot of T20 you know games recently, and I think there was you know speculation whether it was the right call. Internally, we knew um, there was going to be game no one else could, and... Oh, I thought he was a revelation with the ball. He probably exceeded mm. expectations with the ball, particularly in the power play. Um, and he was just always knew like he hit a lot of cricket balls at the back end. Um, yeah, probably more than anyone. And, and you could tell he was just fiercely determined to make an impact. And the way T Twenty is, it's a couple of you know in the first ten overs, it is hard to make an impact. But you knew in big games when it got a bit tighter, um, you'd want someone of his caliber and class to be able to absorb pressure and just find a way through and it wasn't easier than I thought, particularly from the 10th to the 14th over, Pakistan were, were incredible and were very unlucky. He held on and held his nerve and um, yeah, he created history again. Uh, Monty, you talk about uh, you knew he'd come good in the big games. I mean, there was a, a stage during the tournament where you must have thought we mightn't get a chance to get to a big game. I mean, the loss against Ireland, Duckworth-Lewis, that I think you were probably still in with a pretty good chance of winning, still batting, the washout against Australia, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, things started to look like they were conspiring against you. What was the sort of mood around the camp like? Uh, were you nervous or confident that things would work out? Um, yeah, I just think those round matches, are this, the, you know, they're terrifying for all teams. You go mm. in such of the hands of the gods with weather and stuff like that, so... It is just a, like a survival sort of stage, I think, that one where... And I think Australia were on, on the back end of it with, the, with their luck. They had you know just a bad start and then weren't able to recover with the net run rate. It's, so it's, it's, it's a pretty tough period to get through that. And as a matter of getting out there, I think every team, once you get to the semi-finals, freeze up. Um, you know what you have to do. You, you know the opposition in front of you. It doesn't come down to external forces, but... Uh, yeah, I, 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 you get that feeling, but I've had that with every, even with all the women's World Cups as well. It's exactly the same thing. You just have to get out of those groups. So everyone can relax a bit. Matthew, you made mention there of the uh, the difference gender-wise as far as training is concerned. That the women like the structure, obviously not so much the lads. Uh, that's the difference with genders-wise. What about nationality-wise? Is there a? Uh, do you have to change sort of your, your pattern there, addressing or or dealing with? The- no, and I probably can thank Trevor for this, but you know, there's um, you, you immediately feel there's a connection with with the Aussies there. I think um, they they do like that. I mean, I've heard a number of players say it's great to have a, an external voice and a different voice, and they certainly love taking the piss out of my accent plenty, and, and uh, you know, it gives them a bit of joy as well. So yeah, I, I thought uh, it's it's actually worked out pretty well. In fact, I asked um, in the, when in through the interview process, is there a is there an issue with coming outside? And it was shut down pretty quickly. I think it was Andrew Strauss said, no, I think we actually respond a little bit to the external voice under coaches he's had, um, you know, with Flower and Fletcher and, and T- Trevor Bayless being such, you know, successful coaches. So, that, yeah, I feel like uh, I had a pretty good run in. 
Uh, Monty, I'm just trying to think because, uh, I mean, obviously the one day has started after basketball, for want of a better word, had uh, sort of taken them. And as you say, uh, you had a slow uh, start. Was there any time when you sort of felt a bit daunted by the whole thing and uh, a little uncomfortable or were you sort of comfortable that uh, things would work themselves out in the end? I think I had a, I had a, bit, a fair bit of internal confidence that we'd be able to sort it out. I think, you know, and I think the media were pretty kind at the start. They didn't smash me straight away. I think that that was always the concern as you come in and you lose a couple mm. and they're all over you. But um, you know, I think they knew that there was the transition happening with Lockdown and Morgan as, as captain, Joss as new captain, new coach. So I think there was actually quite a bit of understanding of maybe just hitting our straps straight away. Um, and internally, everyone was great. I... I I said, and I have reflected back on it a few times with the team, that it gave me a lot of confidence that even when we were losing, the dressing room was very close. You could see that they were they were hurting for each other. Um, and it was a, a selfless dressing room. And it's easy to say that when you're winning, but um, you can when you notice that when you're losing, I think that gives you a lot of strength as well that you can build on that. Um, and I think we've done that in the last few months. Andrew, I can't see uh, Matthew Mott's press conferences going down like Eddie Jones's in any time soon. Do you think? I think they might be a bit uh, yeah, different from one another. Michael McCullum, do you have any conversations with Brendan, or just pretty much he does Test cricket, you do white ball, and that's it? No, and I think you know this is where I'd like to give a shout out to Rob Key, who, who sort of put the team together. Um, Baz and I have known each other for yeah a long time since uh, the start of the IPL, so that's yeah nearly fourteen, fifteen years. Um, Got on instantly well. Uh, I respect him a lot as when he was a player and as a leader. Uh, but as a coach, he's been brilliant as well. And we, we in our own sort of ways, we have do we do have very similar philosophies. We obviously didn't enact it uh, in the same way when we played. But um, freeing up the players, creating an environment where it's a fun place to turn up and people want to play. Um, so we're completely aligned. I think Rob Key noticed that. Um, and we're the, between the three of us, we're in touch all the time and. Uh, there's going to be some tough decisions made up. The schedule is pretty tight where there's a lot of red ball crossover. You mentioned, you know, for this series, we've, we've lost three or four of the key players who we were, probably would have picked for that series. You know, Stokes and Livingston uh, in particular that, you know, now going over to Pakistan and preparing. So uh, there's going to be a bit of to and fro, but it, it helps when you've got really strong relationships and you can you can have those awkward conversations and try and get the best out. Now, Monty, we'll just talk about this one-day series a minute, but just uh, finishing up on the T20 World Cup, I mean, that semi-final in Adelaide in front of a heaving crowd with, uh, you know, Indian dominance, even though there were some Barmy Army people there, was just about the perfect game of cricket uh, for England. And in the final, Paul and I both mentioned on the Monday, every ball you seem to have a, a fieldsman. You know, you must have been proud of the way those last two games went. Yeah, I, I don't think any of it. We're back in Adelaide now, obviously, and we've actually had some good memories coming back in through the rooms. But I don't think any of us could expect that that semi-final the way we played in that. So our, our bowling group was exceptional, and yeah, our batters always get a lot of credit, and, and they deserve it. But um, the, the evolution of the bowling group, I think, over the last few months, uh, and I think a lot of that happened in Pakistan under some really tough conditions as well, and. Uh, David Staker's had a really good impact when he's, when he's come in as well and given them a lot of confidence to, to try different balls and absorb pressure. So, But to get to that total and then the batters just to go out there and you know, bat with such freedom. I think we've got probably... The, I, I can't imagine a deeper batting lineup going around than what we've got. Mm. We've got uh, you know, someone like Chris Jordan batting at 10. He's a, he's a gun. And then Adil Rashid scored 10 first-class hundreds batting at 11 in that game. So... 
it, it does free you up as a batting group when you know you've got that much behind you. But um, that was unbelievable. And then the finals, yeah, it seems like a bit of a blur, to be honest. But, um, yeah, once again, the bowling group, keeping them down to a low total. Um, and the batters, you know, got in a little bit of a bind there in the middle and they bowled well after the break, but uh, saw it out. And, yeah, it was a great win. Sam Curran was named player of the match, but Andrew and I said earlier this week, Matt, uh, that wicket maiden by Adil Rashid, to, to perform that at a World Cup in a 20-over game, that went a long way to, to setting you up, didn't it? Yeah, I think uh, he, he flies under the radar still way too much. for you know, He's one of, them, one of the best weapons in, in world cricket for us. He's, um, he's a real point of difference. He'll, he'll be very, very hard to replace when he, when he finally gives it away, but I think by his own admission, he had a slow start to the tournament and, um, you know, something switched with him and, you know, he's very close to Mo and Ali. They worked together tirelessly and it, you could just see the difference in the ball was was ripping and, and dropping and flicking and he got his pace on point every time. I thought uh, he was a massive player for us in the, when the big games came on. Well, Monty, that's a T20 gone. I mean, the next World Cup is a 50-over World Cup, and that's in about 12 months' time. So I suppose the planning never stops. And, it, well, it starts as of uh, this uh, three-match series against Australia. Who's who's come in and uh, who's gone out from uh, the T20 familiar faces we've been watching over the last uh, month? Yeah, we've got, um, so we've got James Vince and Jason Roy coming in, Sam Billings, uh, Ollie Stone, um, yeah, so those those guys come in really fresh. Uh, it's exciting for them. I think it's a good opportunity. Um, you know, it, it's a bit tighter than we would have liked. We'd like a, a little bit more time for this, but uh, it's still going to be a brilliant opportunity for those guys to put their, their big foot forward. Obviously got some injured players um, not even here at the moment with Joffre Archer, um, you know, sort of slowly coming mm-hmm. back. Uh, Mark, Wood, Mark Wood's left us uh, prepare for the test series, so yeah, it's a fair bit of changeover, but um, it's exciting, I think. And to have these fresh guys come in now, you know, after the you know the celebrations of the last couple of days, you could see it at training. It was last night. It was great to see them. They, they're they're like kids in candy stores. They they're ready to go. Uh, I looked at the uh, the possible batting lineup for England. And it's showing that Josh Butler will be taking his a place, say number five or number six. Is that right, or is he going to keep opening the batting? No, usually in, in ODI cricket, he, he bats around that five, six mark. So uh, that's what's worked, worked well over time. And we've obviously got some of those top-order batters there that have, have done a great job over over a long period of time. Jason Roy in particular, is, you know, he, he didn't have his greatest summer, but his, his one-day record for England is exceptional. And we welcome him back as well. And I you know, hope he can get some runs and, and, and really put his name back up there. I mean, Marty, you were obviously in charge of the women's team with lots of 50-over and 20-over cricket. Now you're in charge of the white ball team for England. If you could just summarise it in a nutshell, the difference between 20-over and 50-over cricket or what you have to adapt to to move from one to the other. Yeah, I, we asked that a bit yesterday uh, of the group. And to be honest, I think Australia and England play more of a T20 style of match now anyway. So I think the transition is probably less than it, it, it probably would have been. I, Obviously, we've got some changeover of players that have come in, but they've all got a very attacking mindset. I think the key, the key for us will be you know, just that, that realization you've got a lot more time than you think. Mm. Everyone's already saying it's going gonna, it's gonna to almost feel like a test match, 50 overs. Normally, we don't start getting to the ground till five o'clock, but you know everyone's you know, it's your couple of hours earlier up and you're up and about. So, I think that the team that sort of accepts that it's it's got to be played at a slightly slower pace. 
um, albeit with aggressive mindset, will will seen to adapt the best today. Roddy, we uh, we usually wish you all the best. We do that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with an honourable 2-1 two, two series here to Australia, Marty. Look, you're doing a great job. Uh, really pleased for you, Matthew. You're always a great friend of this show. Good luck going forward. Love to catch up again soon. I'd love to just tell you a quick one that um, Doggy's mate, great mate, Jucky Second summed it up. He says, I can't go for England uh, against India. He said, but I hope they play worse than you. <laughs> so that's, that's <laughs> Good on you, Thanks right. for that. Good luck. All right. Thank you. There he Cheers. is. Cheers, uh, guys. See you later. See you, Matt. Matthew Mott there, coach of England.